So the good news is, I received a word from the Lord while on the red soil terrain of Uganda, Africa, for you among the snow-melted sidewalks of Holland, Michigan. The bad news is, I've been traveling for like 40 hours, and I might fall asleep before I share it. So we better pray together. Gracious God, we sing children of the Heavenly Father. But a lot of us, most of us maybe don't really think of ourselves as children. We're professionals. We have, we're leaders. We have responsibilities. Would you free us from any description we use for ourselves so that we could listen now as children? We sing children of the heavenly Father and it's, for some of us it's hard to imagine anything better, anything more. The pain is too real, the sadness is too heavy. To even dare to hope is hurtful. Would you free us and listen in such a way that maybe, maybe something more is still to come? We sing children of the Heavenly Father, but at least for some of us, that's kind of trigger language. Dad really wasn't that great. Dad really wasn't much around. Would you free us and listen in such a way that the good father might just have something to say? And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer in whose name we pray, amen. So last night about 5.30, we arrived home from a 12-day trip with Taylor Daru and Mark Daru and uh, John Opgenorth uh, and myself to Uganda, Africa. Uh, We traveled with Words of Hope, a phenomenal ministry that proclaims the gospel via radio waves uh, into the hard places around the world. Uh, The primary focus of our trip, uh, among other things, was to offer a pastor's conference for some pastors in the northern area of Uganda in a place called Kitgum. We saw some amazing things. Uh, Giraffes, hippopotami, that's the plural for hippopotamus, Uh, crocodiles. We saw the red-breasted bee-eater and a malachite. We saw kingfishers doing what they do. We saw more buffalo and deer than you could count. We saw the queen of the jungle, a lion, anticipating her prey. It was unbelievable. And not just the wildlife, the people. Uh, The kindness and the hospitality 
and the faith. It was truly remarkable. Here's the thing. Take a look at your calendars. Start saving your money. We are going back to Uganda, and you are welcome uh, to come with us. Uh, on Monday, uh, we traveled north to Kitgum. It was actually about nine hours. It's kind of a long trip. Uh, on mostly paved roads, but not all paved roads. I'm still feeling that. Uh, we met with the bishop of Kitgum on Monday night in order to offer a pastor's conference on Tuesday and Wednesday. The first ever pastor's conference of this kind that the pastors and clergy in that area had ever had. Do you know anything about northern Uganda? Have you heard of the LRA, Lord's Resistance Army, Joseph Kony? Absolutely devastated northern Uganda in the early 90s into the early 2000s. I'm talking about stuff so horrible you wouldn't want me to share it on a Sunday morning. And yet the pastors we were with lived through it. Every one of them had family members who died. Every one of them had friends who were killed. The first bishop of Kitgum was martyred, murdered, killed. The second bishop of Kitgum was abducted by the LRA, returned to his post, but was so traumatized he was never the same. The third bishop of Kitgum is the one who invited us. It was, you can only imagine, right? Can you imagine? Do you, you probably shouldn't imagine the kind of pain that they experience. Not just the pastors themselves, but then trying to pastor through that kind of trauma. Uh, one pastor, Reverend Christopher was his name. Uh, the morning we showed up, or, or I guess we showed up Monday night, the, morning, the first morning of the conference, Bishop Wilson invited Reverend Christopher to the, f to the front where he announced for all of us that Reverend Christopher, that night before, early in that very morning, his house, his thatched roof hut, had been burned to the ground by an angry member of his village who just didn't like the pastor. So the bishop invited us to pray for Reverend Christopher before he returned to his home, to the devastation, to his family. At least I assumed that's what Reverend Christopher would do. I'll tell you a little bit more about Reverend Christopher in a few minutes, but for now, the Lord gave me a word. Does that intimidate you? Does that sound intimidating? It's from the book of Hosea. It's chapter 6. It's verses 1 through 3. Come. Let us return to the Lord. For it is he who tears. And he will heal us. It is he who struck down. And he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we might live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the, the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hosea stands alongside the other 11 minor prophets, guys like Obadiah and Amos, you know, your favorite devotional reading. Uh, they're called minor, not because of their significance, but because of their length. It's just not that long, so listen again. Come, let us return to the Lord, for it is he who has torn, and he will heal us. 
He has struck down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. If you're newer to Pillar, or maybe just checking out church, over the last several months, we've been leapfrogging our way through the Old Testament. Uh, We started at the very early pages of the Bible when God announced over all of creation, it's good, and then the covenant with Abram, and then the the fight with Jacob, and then the, the, the Baal prophet duel with Elijah, and then the famine with Ruth, and then the Philistine David a slingshot war, and now Hosea. Come, let us return to the Lord. Hosea proclaims what the Christian faith insists. You cannot stay where you are. You cannot stay as you are. You cannot hold the comforts and conveniences and dependencies of life and expect to be launched in to God's good, even if untamed future. You can't stay there. Come, let us return to the Lord. I'm going to put it boldly, because I've been in Uganda. I'm going to put it baldly. What did you bring to Pillar today that doesn't get to go home with you? What do you hold on to that you need to release? You can't stay where you are. Scholars argue about the book of Hosea. Some suggest it's just an allegory. Like kind of like a metaphor. It didn't like sort of really happen. It's just kind of a nice fable to invite people into understanding. Uh, this guy, you know, some, some imagine maybe Jose had a vision or maybe he was just sort of, uh, what do you say, flubbing a little on the details about his own marriage. Uh, his, he had married an adulterous woman. Her name was Gomer. She cheated on him. And... Hosea's heart broke, and the town gossiped, and everyone wondered, what will he do? Will he do what comes natural and just dismiss her? Will he do what the culture expected and shun her, or would he, could he possibly do something different? Some scholars say it's an allegory. It's like God's relationship with his people. The suggestion, the implication is we've, we've been unfaithful. What will God do? Will he do what like, comes naturally to all of us and like, just dismiss us? Would he sh- it would only be fair to like, shun us. or would, would God do something different? Could God do something else? Other scholars say, no way, this is not an allegory. This happened. This is actual. This is real. Here's the thing. I'll let you argue in the gathering space whether it was an allegory or actual. It doesn't matter to this point. The point is, the point remains the same. You cannot stay where you are. What do you need to leave behind? You can't stay where you are and expect to be launched into God's good future. Come, let us return to the Lord. So as the conference ended on Wednesday, rather than offering like a final prayer of blessing over the whole group, we decided we would 
offer private, personal prayers for any individual pastor who wanted to be prayed for. So John and Taylor and Mark and me and Titus and Godfrey, uh, the people uh, we were with, some of you might know them. Uh, We lined up in the front of the room and pastors came forward one at a time uh, and we asked them, how can we pray for you? I mean, again, think about their circumstances. One uh, one with whom I prayed uh, asked to be forgiven uh, he had been unfaithful to his wife. Another one uh, needed freedom from uh, the fear. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, another one, she was, she was carrying a bitterness and an anger. Each of them and all of them essentially saying with Hosea, Come, let us return to the Lord. Now, it's real nice of me to tell tell stories about Uganda and the pastors there, but this isn't a sermon in Uganda. This is a sermon in Holland, Michigan at Pillar Church with you. What do you need to leave behind? What doesn't get to walk out those doors, even though you brought it in? Do you drink too much? Yeah, sorry, I'm not messing around. Do you gossip? Do you talk about other people in a way that is less than honorable? Do you carry greed? Do you hold jealousy? Is there a bitterness in your spirit keeping you from the very thing God desires for you? Come, let us return to the Lord. Now it's a command. There's no getting around it. You've got to deal with it. Hosea 6, come, let us return to the Lord. But it's offered as an invitation. Come, come with me. Come, let us return. Not some prophet somewhere saying to someone, hey, you, you go return to the Lord. Come, let us return to the Lord. The Christian faith does not point the finger of blame, but rather extends the hand of hospitality. Let's go together. Let's do this together. I'm broken too. I'm sad too. I'm hurting too. I've done things I shouldn't have done either. Let's go together. What's the line from the Sri Lankan pastor? Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. What do you need to leave? All right, I see you're uncomfortable. I'll keep moving. Come, let us return to the Lord. For it is he who has torn and he will heal us. He has struck down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. Who does that sound like to you? After two days, he will revive. On the third day, who does that sound like? Oh, thank you, eight of you. What about the rest of you? Who does that sound like? There you go. We'll get to him. Here's the deal, though. Hosea was 700 years before Jesus. Hosea was talking about a God who tears down. Hosea was talking about the God who strikes down. Hosea was pointing to Jesus, but hadn't yet walked with Jesus. What do you do with the God who tears? Should I go back to Uganda? What do you do with a God who strikes down? What do you do with with a... with the anger of God. I don't, I probably shouldn't project onto you, but I've just kind of noticed most of us just ignore him. <laughs> you know? 
I mean, we're like pretty uncomfortable when we read in the Old Testament, you know, Elijah killed 450 Baal prophets, and we're pretty uncomfortable when God sanctions the pillaging of the Philistines, but we're extremely uncomfortable when that anger looks in our direction. So mostly we just leave it to the Old Testament. God must have changed his mind somewhere along the way to offer the gentle Jesus. Grace becomes permission. Mercy turns into complacency. Love is licensed to go on doing whatever you wanted to do already. What if the anger of God and the love of God are not antithetical to one another? What if the anger of God and the love of God aren't actually opposites? What if they're not competing? What if they're, what if they're both an expression of a deeper reality, God's passion for the world? Abraham Joshua Heschel, Jewish theologian, wrote a book titled The Prophets. There's a chapter titled Hosea, so I read it. How does one reconcile the tenderness of divine love with the vehemence of divine punishment? Clearly, it's not a love that is exclusive and that ignores the wickedness of the beloved, forgiving carelessly every fault. Here is a love grown bitter with the waywardness of humankind. The Lord is in love with his people, but he has a passionate love of right and a burning hatred of wrong. Is it possible that maybe God's anger hasn't been silenced? Is it possible maybe God's still angry when he sees the sin patterns of our lives and the idolatry dysfunctions of our world? Is it possible that God is angry and that God's love outdoes his anger? God's love outruns his anger? God's love doesn't silence anger? but is held together in Jesus Christ? How did that go again? It is he who tears, he will heal. He has struck down, he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. What if the anger of God and the love of God find themselves in Jesus Christ? Jesus, who was torn on the cross. Jesus, who was struck down to the grave. Jesus, who on the second day went to hell to announce over the whole dominion, every square inch, that's mine. Jesus, who was raised from the dead so that you might be raised too. Jesus, who is alive now so that we might have life. If I were in Uganda, you would not be silent. What if that's true? What if that's true? What if, we, what if grace abounds is not permission to go on sinning? I think that's the Apostle Paul. Love is not a license. So on Sunday, last week Sunday, one week from today, right? Yeah. I was preaching in the Cathedral of Makono. It was amazing. Uh, three services. So Pillar's been talking about adding a service or, or whatever. Guess what time the first service starts? Come on, come on. Oh. 6.30, 6.30. I was preaching at 6.30 in the morning. You have no excuses. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, so the first service and the third service are in Luganda. I know one word in Luganda, uh, Muzungu. <laughs> white man, white man. <laughs> That's true, Muzungu. 
Uh, the second service is in English. Uh, so the first two, first and third were translated, and then the second one. Uh, the, the first service started at 6.30 and went for over two hours. So if you think I'm looking at my watch, let me help you. I ain't even wearing one. Every service went for more than two hours. We did not give the final benediction after the third, till like quarter to two. <laughs> this is why we've padded the pews. Just get comfortable. So we're, we're singing in English these African songs. I didn't know them, uh, but they were beautiful. The worship ensemble, no, I mean, they were just more expressive than... <laughs> They were clapping and dancing and moving and shaking, and even I kind of did too. It was sort of like, whoa, what has happened? A demon has been exercised from my life. And then all of a sudden, they started singing a song I did know. It was amazing. A song we just sang. And Jonathan's going to sing it. And you're going to sing it with him. And if you can remain seated... I will be hurt if you don't raise your hands and even a few of you dance. Don't dance. Just, just let's go. Never fails and never gives up. Never runs. You're seated. Your love never fails and never gives up. It never runs out on me. I know it's awkward. Love never fails. You're so uncomfortable right now. Get over yourselves. It never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. Sorry, man. It never runs out on me. Nobody has their hand in the air. Hey, there. Now I'm there. Good job. You can sit down. Do you feel so uncomfortable right now? You're dying inside. It's okay. You'll be fine. And for the record, I'm not even close to done right now. But what if that's true? What if his love never fails? What if that's true? What if his love outruns his anger? What if his love outdoes his anger? On the second day, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up. What if the anger of God and the love of God find their full expression in Jesus Christ? That's what I'm talking about. The prophet calls us from, if you're taking notes, from, to, for. The prophet calls us from. You cannot stay where you are. And calls us to Jesus Christ. And calls us for a life lived in passionate pursuit of the person and purposes of God in the world. Let us know. Geneva. Is that Geneva? I woke up. Let us know. Let us press on to know, the prophet shouts. The whole of Hosea likens, uh, uses the metaphor of marriage. Hosea, uh, his wife Gomer, had been unfaithful. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? And so I'll just stick with the metaphor, if you don't mind. In, in marriage, there are expectations. They're just commitments you make. That's just... Like when, when, a, when a spouse is unfaithful to their partner, the response is not, hey, you broke the rules. 
response is, no, you broke my heart. And not just the notorious infidelity, but like all of the little unfaithfulnesses. You know, there's not a rule in marriage, you've got to be home by 5.30. But when you repeatedly show up late over and over and over, it's not a rule you've broken, it's trust you've destroyed. There's no rule about, you know, how many minutes of meaningful conversation are you supposed to have in marriage every day. But when you, when you lack intentional conversation, intimacy is broken. The Christian faith cannot be reduced to a transactional contract. Here's the list of rules. You do this, I'll do that. It'll be all good. It's a relationship with commitments. If you reduce it to rules, you'll find yourself self-righteous at best. If you ignore the rules, you'll find yourself in places you're not meant to go. It's a relationship that comes with commitments. Let us know. That's the language of intimacy. Hosea's not saying, hey, let's read a little bit more about God. That's great, but that's not the end. It's not a few commentaries to get you a little brighter, to answer a few more trivia questions. All of that to lead deeper into relationship with the living God. Let us know. Let us press on to know. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. Hosea is playing with words. Chapter 6 begins, you come. And verse 3 ends, he will come. He's offering the conundrum of the Christian faith. Who comes first? And it is an unequivocal answer. God. God comes first. God acts first. God is first. This is why we baptized Geneva. The poor girl was sleeping. She, what did I say? It was for you that Christ came into the world. It was for you that he died. It was for you, even though you may know nothing of it now. God acts first. God comes first. God is first. Let us return. I now can return to Uganda. Two weeks ago, I could only go to Uganda. You can only return to a place you've been. God has come to us to speak life into existence at creation. He showed up to make covenant with Abram. He sent Moses on the freedom journey and Ruth provided in the, in the famine. God acts first and we return to the one who comes to us and who will come again finally, fully, to make all things right and to make all things new. Let us know. Let us press on to know. Are you with me? So, uh, Reverend Christopher, uh, he, he wore an oversized tweed jacket and a baggy pants cinched with a belt to keep him up above his hips. His jaw was cut like flint. His eyes, they weren't sad. But they, they were just serious. You know, fair enough. The, the morning, did I already tell you this? The, the morning that we began, the first ever pastor's conference of its kind in northern Uganda, 
some buddy from his village torched his thatched roof hut and burned to the ground everything that he owned except the tweed jacket on his back and the baggy pants over his hips. The bishop called him forward so we could pray for him before he left to tend to his family and to the devastation. Uh, he stayed for that first session, and I found him at the break. He was speaking a language I didn't know, Luo, I think it's called. I couldn't under really understand a word, but I could see just how distraught. I mean, put yourself in his shoes for a second. He came back for the second session, and I figured he was too distraught to drive. When he came back for the third session, I wondered if he was waiting for a ride. When he came back the next day, it dawned on me, he's not going anywhere. He's not leaving. He has this opportunity to sing and to pray and to gather around the word with his brothers and sisters, an opportunity he won't have any time soon. He wants to know. He's pressing on to know. So over the course of a couple days, we sang this song, uh, this, uh, this song in Luo. Uh, it, it, the, the, it sounds like this. Lubangawani Bear, Yesu Bear, and Matawa. Shall we sing it now together? Uh, God is good. Jesus is good because he loves us. I'm not going to sing it because you'd laugh at me, but I do have a recording of our brothers and sisters in Uganda singing it. Uh, ben is going to play it for you, I hope. As we were singing, Reverend Christopher, cut jaw, serious eyes, he started to smile. And then he started to sing. As we sang, he smiled. As we sang, he sang. As we sang, he danced. Not a sort of sway like, you know, Friday night in the gym. I'm talking a prayerful, exuberant, vibrant dance. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His appearing is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the showers, like the spring rains that water the earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. And here at the table, he does. He comes to us again. His love outruns you here. His love outdoes you here. He wants to meet you here. And then send us from this table, from this place, to know, to press on to know the Lord. If you believe, it's okay. Geneva's great. Let her stay. She's just been baptized. It's good. Yeah. Unless you want to go. <laughs> if you believe Jesus is Lord and you acknowledge him as Savior, you're welcome at this table. If you're not at that place in life or faith or for other reasons, 
I choose not to come to the table, I don't want to ask you to do something that's inauthentic to who you are and where you are. You might have serious questions, real doubts, deep pain. It would be a privilege to get to know you. So don't, don't feel pressured to come. There are prayers for you to consider praying on page eight of the worship folder, or you're welcome to come forward and simply greet those who are serving at stations. There'll be two stations here in the front, two stations, two stations in the front for the front rows, two stations on the side for the back section, and then a station in the, bel- uh, in the narthex for those in the balcony. There's also a gluten-free, vegan-friendly station here for anyone who would like that. If those who are prepared to serve communion could join me here.